You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life, with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and today I have a great podcast planned with Dick Goldberg, who's been a psychotherapist for 40 years. He's an author, a PBS producer host, a public radio host, and now a podcast host for the last eight years or so. Dick, thank you so much for being here to talk with me about this article that you wrote and your ideas around it. My pleasure. Dick had an article, and I believe you can still find it, called The Ten Simple Secrets of Being Liked by Almost Everyone. So, Dick, what is the biggest misconception people have around how to be likable? Well, I would say this misconception is held by men, perhaps more than women. But it's that if you are funny, witty, clever, have brilliant things to say, people will like you. You'll be the hit. And The life of the party person? That's right. That's right. And that you really have to be clever and witty and perform and show people why they should like you, demonstrate. And the real truth, I think, is what makes people likable is their availability to you, their interest in you, the sense that they are there with you, that they're present. Basically, that they can really understand you, listen to you, and you're important, not that they're important. Mm. That's a big thing because I know in a lot of conversations, people are listening to share something about themselves rather than to really be in the moment with the person who's sharing. Well, you know, that's right. And when I do these workshops with people who are maybe lonely, not connecting well, or don't feel they have good relationships, one of the ways I do it is to teach them how to listen. Most people will buy the idea listening is important. After I explain why, almost everyone agrees. And I say, okay, let's, let's do a role play and have you be a good listener. Well, even though they know it's important to listen, most people don't know how to do it. And here's why. When we do a role play, I'd have, let's say, eight people in the group. And seven would be the judges and the helpers to the person who is trying to be a good listener. And they would always interrupt the person because the person would say, well, Bill, tell me about you. And Bill would say, well, I, um, I'm a plumber. Oh, that's interesting. My uncle's a plumber. The default thing that people tend to do is go, oh, well, I, and bring in the I. Watch in your conversations or your interactions with people or observe them, how few people can stay on the person who's talking and ask about them in a follow-up question versus going, oh, well, I, or I'll tell you what I think. I know. And Another way of looking at it is the world's a lonely place because no one's listening to the other person. They're thinking about what they're going to say next. They're so, thinking about. I'm sorry, Dick. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. You didn't. <laughs> no, you go ahead. I'm interested in what you have to say. <laughs> You're trying to get me to fall into that trap too. I just wanted to ask you how you teach people to listen. I think most people would say that they are good listeners because they hear the other person. Yeah. Well, role-playing is the technique. And I'd say my success rate's pretty high, but it takes about 20 minutes to teach someone to be a good listener because these habits are so ingrained. One way of conceptualizing this, it's a new concept I've come upon and I've invented called the we versus the I. Are you a I person or a we person? A we person is someone who is interested in everything around them, interested in the person they're talking to, and can enter other people's worlds. An I person, everything relates to I. 
And so when you're talking, they're thinking about what does that mean to me? Does that make me look good? If you're a we person, if you're able to connect, you're going to take an interest in the other person and stay on the other person. So in role playing, people have to learn to listen to what the person's saying. And while that person is talking, not think about, oh, I have to remember to pick up the mail before I go home or whatever, but really close their mind to everything except what the person's saying and then respond with something off what the person just said. And some of the best responses are, oh, really? Why? How come? Tell me more. Why do you say that? How did you learn that? Short questions that show an interest and give the person an open-ended platform in which to respond. I like that. So what would you say to people who believe that sharing something about themselves is helping them to connect with the other person. Do you think that that's, that's not how people really connect? Well, perfect is if you share something, the person really listens, asks a few follow-up questions, and then they ask you and you share something. It gets to what is closeness? What is intimacy? And intimacy, I don't think is sex. Intimacy is sharing your inner feelings with someone. Now, you might not want to, in a first conversation say, oh, tell me your deepest, darkest sexual fantasies. That's too intimate. That's too personal. But still, there's a great power and a great benefit in taking five or 10 minutes to really pay attention and listen to the other person and show an interest in whatever they're saying. I have this stereotype, and forgive me for stereotyping, and maybe it goes back as I'm an old guy to when I was younger. That in the dating world, I think women are much more onto this than men. Men would go, turning about heterosexual dating. The woman would say, oh, Charlie, you're on the basketball team. Tell me all about that. And Oh, is that your favorite? And blah, blah, blah. And the guy thinks he's being so interesting. And I think in that case, the woman is playing him by showing an interest and asking questions. And he doesn't even realize she is letting him talk because she knows that that's an endearing thing. And he's enjoying talking. As a matter of fact, I have a friend who's 65 and she's been single for 20 years and she decided to start dating again. So she went on match.com and went on 10 dates with 10 men. She said, I quit. None of them asked about me. I interviewed them. I'm tired of that. Wow. So you don't think that that's a good thing. It sounds like that's what you want people to do is to ask about the other person, but in dating that may be a manipulation, you think? No, no, I, I think it's still a kind thing to do. I think what it needs to be is reciprocated. I mean, mm. I have a feeling women listening to this may relate going, yeah, I know just what Dick is talking about. How many guys have I asked about themselves and they didn't ask much about me or didn't have any follow-up questions. As you know, I'm a golfer. Yeah. so I, meet people on the golf course I play with. And I find so often I'll learn all about that person I'm playing with who I didn't know before the game. And they enjoy the conversation and they know nothing about me. They might have said, what do you do, Dick? And I'll say, well, I'm a psychotherapist and I have a podcast and blah, 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 blah. And they'll never ask another question. They're done. And I'll ask them 30 questions about them and they're having a good time. That's interesting. Do you think that it has anything to do with your chosen profession, that as a psychotherapist, you're accustomed to talking to people about themselves? 
No, actually not for me, because when I was 21 and in college in my fraternity, the president of the fraternity said, Dick is the official counselor for anyone who's got problems. Go talk to Dick. So I think I've always kind of been curious about other people, but I also think intuitively I knew the way to get them to feel connected and maybe to like me is to be interested in them. And also I'm very sensitive to when I'm talking and people, their eyes are looking about the room. That hurts my feelings. Mm. So it's here for me to ask the person a question because I know they're going to be responsive versus talk about something that I'm interested in because I run the risk of, of that pain of people not being interested in what I'm saying and giving me tells that tell me they're not. Right. So do you think that there's a difference in likability among gender? I like women better than men as a rule. I'm 77 and I'm finding it much easier to make men friends that I am enriched by than when I was 57 or certainly 37. I think there's a tendency for men as they retire to kind of let go of their need to show off how successful they are and to be more interested in others. But I do think it's a, there is a correlation. It's not, you know, it's not 100%. There are some women who are terrible listeners and some men who are good listeners. But I think a much higher percentage of the great listeners are female than male. Hmm. And a lot of explanations for that. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you attribute that to? You're, you're an interviewer, but can I ask the interviewer a question? Sure. What do you think, Kim? Do you think women are better listeners than men? What's your experience? I honestly, Dick, I've never thought about that, but I think women tend to be more nurturing than men. They tend to, and of course I'm, I'm very reluctant because I do diversity workshops to talk about the stereotyping, but Mm -hmm. um, I do think that women tend to be more focused on your definition of intimacy and really getting to know someone and hear what their life is like. But I certainly have met men who do that. Yeah. And women who don't, like you said, but I do think there is something genetically involved with women that make us more relational. Mm -hmm. And so it's possibly true that women do listen better than men. Sometimes I know the biggest lament of the women that come to me for counseling is he just, he doesn't listen to me. Yep. Um, And sometimes I think it might be because women talk a lot about the same thing. You know, I I think about nagging sometimes, you know, we'll ask the same thing over and over and our husbands don't listen and then we get mad at them, but we haven't really looked at ourselves in the mirror to see the way that we're communicating. So I'm wondering what are some of your other traits that you find that make people likable? We talked about listening because that's far and away the most important, but a second and Maybe this might be what you're referring to that might annoy the partner, the male partner sometimes is, does the listener care about what I'm about to say? So, hey, Kim, I had breakfast this morning and I had oatmeal. I usually have oatmeal every morning. Sometimes I put nuts in it. Not always. I like, who cares, right? (laughs) If I say to you, Kim, I was having breakfast this morning and all of a sudden I really felt blue because I realized my work isn't getting anywhere. I don't feel any meaning in it. That's more interesting, right? Definitely. You've drawn me in. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure you, you and listeners can think of people that walk, I call it walking through your head with minutiae that only their mother might listen to and pretend to care about. See, I see posts like that on Facebook a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just finished my vacuuming. Yeah. <laughs> I just had the most delicious bran muffin. Okay. Yes. yes. Right. You got it. You got it. So right. Stop before you talk. Does anyone really care about what I'm going to say? Or is it just, I'm enjoying talking about my life? But it's of no interest what I'm referring to here. Okay. And uh, next is share your feelings as well as your thoughts. If I say, gee, today, I had breakfast, then I, I met my friend, then I went here, then I went there. That's not very interesting. But if I say, after I had breakfast, I met my friend, and it was kind of a bummer because he, he was just really obnoxious. That's more interesting. Yes. You know, so felt really bummed by that conversation or whatever. So share some of your feelings, not just the objective reality of events. So you're um, not just going through a, a laundry list of what you right. did today. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It allows people to feel you're more vulnerable. They know you better. It's easier to feel closer to you and connected. And, you know, I've never said this, but I think a lot of what I'm saying has to do with the ability to connect, the ability to kind of break our isolation, because we're all trapped in our, under our own epidermis. We'll never get out, but we long to connect. So these are really tools to connect and to make the other person feel you're connecting with them. The next is show your curiosity. Now. If I say to you, gee, I saw the biggest house I've ever seen in my life, what would you say, Kim? What would your response be to that? What was that like? That's right. Or where was it? Or tell us about the house. Versus you think that's big. Let me tell you about the house I saw. Mm. How often do people, you say an interesting thing and they go, oh, well, let me tell you what I know. Right. Or it's like you want to trump the other person. Well, you think that's, that's bad. Let me tell you about what happened to me. That definitely is part of the trumping it. But the other is, again, the I versus the we person. The I person wants to bring it back to what they know. They're not interested in learning. They're not, they don't have curiosity. They're interested in talking and, and telling, and showing. So be a curious person. It's an attractive trait to be curious and not a know-it-all. Another one is have a pleasant speaking style. You do, Kim. I can, and every you. word, it's a nice voice tone. But people who talk so fast, you can't really follow them. And I think that's kind of generational. I know younger people, I think, tend to talk faster than old goats like me. I have uh, a 12-year-old granddaughter to take it to me now. I'm very conscious now of that, that I have a 12-year-old granddaughter that talks so fast. I have to tell her, I have no idea what you just said. And I want to talk to you about whatever it was. Can you slow it down? And she'll do it for a sentence or two before she's back. In a blah, 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 blah. And it's amazing to me how she can talk so fast. Yeah. Uh, if you observed her and a friend talking and do they both talk fast to each other? They do and they understand each other. I don't know how that works. I don't have the ability or the skill to do that. So talking fast is one. Another is talking so slowly and <laughs> carefully. You want to strangle the person, you know? So just to talk in a moderate speed and a moderate tone, basically so people have no trouble understanding what you're saying. So if you're doing that, you get a 10. By the way, I use this tool, believe it or not, in helping people decide on relationships. I've had clients who go, you know, I'm, I'm dating two guys and I just don't know which one I like better and which one's better for me. We'll go over these 10 things. And I'll ask her woman to score from zero to 10, how good they do on each characteristic. 
and often they have closure by the process, by the end. And you're right. Bill is a much richer person to spend time with than Bob. Bob's cute and he's a great basketball player and he dances well, but actually sitting and having a meal with him is a little boring. And now I know why. Um, so anyway, it, it can be a useful tool that way and kind of evaluating your friends, your partners, or your partners kind of heavy duty. If they score low, then what do you do? Then you're in big trouble. Um, okay, so the next one's one I've totally made up. All this I made up, but it's different than what you'll see in other social inventories. Avoid jokes or stories unless you're very good at it. How many times has someone said, oh, that reminds me of a story. I was in Boston. Well, really? No, it was a suburb of Boston. What was the name of that suburb I was in? I, I don't know. I, I, whatever the suburb, I was driving a Buick that day. Or, well, it was, a, and they go on and on and on with minutia and detail. And you can't wait till the story's over so you can get back in conversation. Very few people are really compelling storytellers, but you know who's having a good time when that story's being told? Teller. The teller <laughs> is enjoying all the attention and reliving the story, but the other people around them usually are doing their time till it's over. And probably it's just the illusion of attention because the other people are thinking about what they're going to have for dinner that night. That's right. <laughs> the other is jokes. How many people, when they tell a joke, is your response to laugh to be polite, but you're just laughing to be polite versus really being broken up by it and thinking it's funny. So if you're a great storyteller and you're really funny when you tell jokes, do it. But if you're like most people, you're mediocre or a drag when you tell a story, stop it. Same, <laughs> with, same with jokes. Will you tell my mother that? Oh, which one? <laughs> Joke story? No, stories. She tells oh. a story and my brothers and I will look at each other and we'll, we'll then we'll, we'll look at our watch <laughs> just to be funny. And my mother, we tease her about it. She, she tells a story from Pennsylvania to Ohio by way of Texas. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she's having a good time. She likes telling stories. She definitely yeah. does. And well, I love my mother, but she, that oh. is one of her, one of her traits that are endearing and frustrating at the same time. Well, endearing at least is something of value. A lot of people, <laughs> it's just annoying. So another, which you do, Kim, is smile. That doesn't mean phony smiles, but people who smile a fair share, not constantly, are more comfortably around than people who just never smile, who are glum. Mm. Believe it or not, I think it is possible to smile more in a genuine way if you're not a smiler. Just kind of think about things that bring you joy and just kind of work on letting that smile out. Sometimes people hold it in because as a kid, they learned there were in their family of origin, maybe some problems when you look too happy. So they kind of learned to not. But it's, it's a plus. It's not a biggie, but people who are never smiling are hard to be around. Yeah. Another is to be accepting, which means to create an environment where you would feel safe saying almost anything to this person. You'll feel they'll be accepting and not judgmental. The opposite of this is to say things like, let's say you say to me, I really like pumpkin pie. And I go, you what? Pumpkin pie? That's awful. Even if I don't like pumpkin pie, I could say, oh, well, yeah, good. And not my favorite, but I'm glad it's yours or something. But to not be critical or judgmental of what people say. If you are, they're not going to feel safe to say things around you that they'd like to talk about. So be an accepting person. 
Another is to give honest compliments. Like it could say, you have a nice, calm disposition, Tim. I like that. And that's an honest compliment. And it made uh, me smile. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, you have a nice voice. You have a nice tone to your voice, pleasant uh, manner. And you look a lot younger than you told me you were. So, <laughs> so let me ask you this. I'll use you as my guinea pig. Do you give compliments whenever you see things about people that are positive or nice? I usually oh. do, especially Good. when I'm meeting them for the first time. I look for something that I can say that I really mean. That's good. Well, you, you get a 10 out of 10 for that then. Hmm. Most people do not, put it this way, most people are stingy with compliments. In a workshop, I might say, okay, if someone gave you five $5 bills and said, you can only give these away, they're going to burn up in an hour if you don't give them away. You can't spend them on anything. What would you do? And they'd say, well, I'd probably walk down the street and hand them out. I said, well, how many nice things can you think about about the people you know in your life? Okay. Have you told them? Right. Why not? I don't know. I just never did. And I said, well, that's the $5 bill you're holding in your pocket that you should be giving away because you know these nice things. Don't you think they'd like to hear them? Don't you think they'd feel better about it? And also, we're all a little or a lot insecure. Even you, Kim, even though you appear very self-confident and self-composed, we all have our own insecurities. And if someone said, you know, that was a very brilliant statement you just said. I never would have thought of that. That's really smart. You feel better about that person because you think, oh, they like something about me. So I'm more comfortable with them. So if you give honest compliments, that helps connect you to that person, make them feel better about you. And, and also, you, I think in a way, can feel better about yourself because it's a kind thing to do. And when we exercise a kindness muscle, we feel better about ourselves. So give honest compliments. And I'd say be a promiscuous compliment giver if they're <laughs> honest. And then the 10th thing I put in here, mainly because you got to have 10 points. So it, does, it doesn't make a good article. And it's not as important as the other nine, but still important, is when someone gives you a compliment, say thank you. Mm. Instead of saying, oh, you like my shirt? Well, it was only five bucks. I got it secondhand. It's really nothing. What does that make you do? Makes you say, no, I really like it. I do like it. Really? How can you like it? It's just, I do like it. You know, it's annoying when people don't right. just say, thank you. So, right. There, there you go. So, anyway, those are the 10. And I have found when I do workshops with people, certainly the listening is something people are not as aware of as how important it is. But many of these things strike notes with people. They seldom disagree. And like your reaction is, oh, I know just what you mean. This person does that. And it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, I and should be thinking about which ones I do or don't do. That's probably where the work, real work comes. Really? You're not a 10 out of 10 on all of these? I don't know. I, of course, I think I am. Well, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean that I am. I need to do some deep dive and really think about it. I know that I am a person who, when someone says something, I tend to share something about myself to connect. That's my motivation. But what listening to you, I'm hearing that it would be better for me to wait to be asked before I share something about myself. So that's one thing that I actually have become more aware of recently and I want to get better at. So 
I don't think I'm a 10 out of a 10. So that's You're it. Listening. You might be an eight. Yeah. Well, no, I think that's a insightful, Kim, that I do think a lot of people, when I ask them, well, why do you bring it right back to yourself? They say, well, I want to share something about me so they feel connected. When in fact, at least my opinion is, if you say to me, you're, you're a therapist, aren't you, Kim? Yes. If you say you're a therapist, I can say, oh, I am too. What a coincidence. Or I can say, interesting. What kind of work do you do? What's your, what, you know, I have a feeling you'd feel more connected, even though I'd reveal I'm a therapist too at some point. Or I could say, I'm a therapist too. Tell me about your work. Mm. You but not bring it back to me and really interested. So you learned something useful there. I did. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, only if you think it's true for yourself. I mean, think about it for you. If you were in a conversation and someone asks about you and you express an, an interest in something, do you feel better with them if they say, well, how come? Or tell me a little about it or blah, 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 versus, oh, me too, blah, blah, blah. That's the thing that I'm going to have to think about because I do think that I feel connected. So for example, this has happened a lot lately because, well, there's two things that have been happening. They're both along the same lines, but I know I told you that I turned 60 um, in October because I, I was public about that. I had a big Zoom party. I had people on, on Zoom like we are having a party at three different times that day so that my friends in different time zones would be able to join. And it was so wonderful because I was feeling sorry for myself. You know, I'm having this big birthday and I can't see anybody because of coronavirus. So I planned this Zoom party and it was so much fun for me. And I think it was fun for the people who came. But what would also happen is people would say, oh, I was born in 1962 because I was born in 1960. And that was an instant connection. I'm like, oh, wow, we were born the same year. How cool is that? The other thing that happened, I saw a lot of people, I guess I know a lot of people, I think Libras, I'm a Libra born in October. We might be attracted to other Libras as friends because a lot of the people that I'm connected to were having birthdays in October. So I would make the statement, happy birthday, my Libra sister or my Libra brother. And it helped me feel connected to them. So I need to spend some time on that because I told you I was working on this even before this podcast because someone very close to me had given me the feedback that sometimes when in conversation and someone shares something, I say something to connect with them that might be interpreted the way that you're saying. And I, I really don't ever want to do that. So I think it's really serendipitous that you talked about that today. And it's something I'm, I really am working on and was working on before. So well, but now here it, I am talking about myself, Dick, and this is your interview, not my no, no, interview. No, I feel this is right on target. I, I, <laughs> it helps explore what we're talking about. It's not 100% true that you should always ask about them without offering something to yourself, but if it, it can be a real connected. Someone says, I'm really depressed and I feel bad about myself because I'm, I'm not as successful as I hope to be by 77. But that's not true, that's not how I feel. But if I said that, and the person I'm talking to says, boy, I know how you feel. I have that feeling an awful lot. Tell me about your feeling, you know, but confirms that your, re your reality is similar to theirs, but then probes more. Right. I think that is connecting and it, it helps the person feel safer. So it, it's not an absolute rule. Okay. Well, that helps too. So when I think about it, I'll be, I won't be beating myself up. I'll be trying to figure out what's helpful and connecting and what isn't. And I suspect that it might be different with different people. 
So Dick, do you think some people are just born better at being likable or is it something that you can really teach people to increase their likability factor? Well, born with a issue, it could be that someone's born on the autism spectrum or something like that. But other than that, I don't think you're born likable and not likable. I think you family of origins, the big teacher, and then your experience. But in terms of can they learn to be a more likable person? Absolutely. Any of these 10 can be altered. And most people score fairly high in some, real high in some, low on others. And so just like, for example, the storytelling, don't tell stories unless you're really good at it. Someone might never have thought about it. And then they hear this conversation you and I are having, you go, uh-oh, I've been doing that. I mean, I've had patients where I they admit they tell stories and they're probably not good at it. And I say, why do you do it? And I say, because I like to. Like your <laughs> I. I. It's yeah. again about I. Yeah. Mm. And then they realize they have to make a choice. So they want to tell the story and push people away, but enjoy the process or maybe make better friends and make closer friendships. So I think certainly the listening, when I see a client for the first time and they have social skills issues or not connecting well, and we go over these exercises, not very frequently. They'll come back the next session and say, oh my God, what a difference. When I'd ask people about them, it was so much easier. And I felt like I was really connecting. So it's very learnable. And my hope is that the millions of people listening to this podcast, I'm sure, Kim, will- At least, Dick. At least. (laughs) I don't know how many millions. Will listen and go, you know, he's got a point. I really like being around people who listen to me. I'm going to work on that. And you can't. Just watch how many times you say I. Well, I. Don't say, well, I. Say, tell me more. Mm. Great advice. And the other is to go over these 10 and score yourself on them from zero to 10 and see how you do. And if you're a real glutton for punishment and you're in a, a relationship, get these 10, write them down and have score yourself and score your partner and vice versa and discuss it. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm a three as a listener. I think I'm a nine. Well, honey, the other day when I said, you know, and you'll have some sparks flying, but in the end, you'll have a closer, more successful relationship because the other person will let you know what troubles them about you this way. So Dick, can people that are listening, the million or so people listening, can they get a hold of you for some help in this area? Are you still working in this field? I was at the University of Wisconsin for 35 years as a psychotherapist for students. And I was furloughed when COVID came about. And I'm not joining a private practice, but I am not up and running for another four weeks or so. So at the moment, I'm, I'm a man without a home as a psychotherapist, but I'll be back working in four weeks. They certainly can go to my podcast, dickoldbergradio.com, and email me there. And if I I can respond uh, when I'm up and running and give them information on how to reach me. And I think at my website, I believe I have this article that they can find. And I also have a podcast at my website, just me talking about this, but they don't need it. They've got your podcast. Well, they, but they might want to learn more about this. So go to Dick Goldberg Radio, dickgoldbergradio.com. I have about 250 interviews there at that site. So I could keep people busy if they. Yeah, that's terrific, Dick. Yeah. So thank you so much for being with me today. I've enjoyed our conversation. 
Me too. I got to talk. So thank you for listening. (laughs) You're welcome. You just finished listening to an episode on the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at the Relationship Center on Instagram or Facebook. I hope you'll join me next week when I'll be discussing how to go from being a person who wants to write a book to a published author. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe.